fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile Wolf back. What is going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, RotoStreetJournal.com, where we breed and feed fantasy wolves. Here with your week one recap. Football is back, ladies and gentlemen, and I could not have felt any better. I was just a ball of nervous energy all day on the couch, and it was incredible. Seven straight hours of commercial-free football. It just does not get any better. And of course, you cannot move on to week two without realizing all the crucial, important takeaways for week one. So we are going to update our season-long big board live with you here. I have not touched it since the beginning of the season, and I am thrilled to do so with all the important injuries, risers, fallers, waiver wire, preview, penny stocks, all that good stuff. Of course, all your questions live as we go. I know it's Monday Night Football, but hopefully you can enjoy a little bit of background noise and some fantasy banter while we go. And let's start at the top with by far the most interesting development. Before we get in, of course, any likes, shares, comments. If you're in a fantasy group on Facebook, drop it on in. If you're catching the replay, thanks so much. We'll be live right around 7 p.m. Eastern time every Monday with this show and then the podcast of course, drops the Tuesday morning after. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's discuss the biggest news of the day. And there's a ton of it. Week one always comes with the most news possible, but nothing was bigger than Marlon Mack's injury. Torn Achilles, it has been confirmed. And that means, folks, it is time for the Jonathan Taylor show, our locked round three pick. Everybody's saying your process was wrong. You just got lucky. No, the process was we have an elite rushing talent behind an elite rushing line and a mediocre starter at best that has an injury prone history. That's the process. Did we get lucky that it happened within five snaps of this week one? Of course, I'm happy about that. I mean, poor Marlon Mack. I don't want to celebrate an injury, but let's be real here. Jonathan Taylor is going to erupt now in the light of this. Right now, you know, nine carries, 22 yards. But the, the more intriguing development is the six receptions, all six of his targets. Targeted, you know, ran 13 routes and was targeted on six of them. Nearly half of his routes he saw a target. That was the better development here. Yes, we know Naeem Hines, also a huge riser in light of this. Uh, he gets 28 yards and a touchdown, plus 45 yards and another TD on eight catches. Uh, so he's going to be a highly used receiving back for sure, too. Both of these guys are enormous risers, but none bigger than Jonathan Taylor, who now owns by far the lion's share of early down work. They've been confirmed he is now the new starter. Uh, so you got to have him as a huge riser. Let's go to our running back rankings here and figure out just how highly we're going to have him rise. I'll sift through the overall big board later. We'll just do positional updates for now. Um, but Jonathan Taylor, man, who? I mean, you got to have him definitely above Joe Mixon. We'll talk about as a faller in a little bit. Same with Austin Eckler. Uh, Alvin Kamara is going to be a big riser. We won't have to talk much about him, but 
plant-based diet was uh, a little bit ill-advised for me to, to say to avoid this guy. Let's put it that way. Uh, he looked as sharp and fresh as ever. But Jay Taylor, I mean, you got to have him right up here in your top 10 backs, in my opinion. Uh, we'll redo these tiers here. You know McCaffrey by himself. But ultimately, I, I think Taylor has every bit of upside to just maybe not quite this tier of the you know elite RB1s. You know, Dalvin Cook maybe you know, caps that tier off right here. But, man, Jonathan Taylor right there at RB9 leaps into my top 10 running backs. There's going to be better rushing days and better game scripts for this guy. Uh, again, top 10 running back moving forward for 2020. I am all about that. In terms of Naeem Hines, where does he land? You know, RB43, we were already pretty high on him. He was in my top 100 overall. On a lot of waiver wires, only 20% owned. You got to have this guy shooting right up into this, you know, range. We'll organize that tier later, but I'd say top 25 or so. We already saw how heavily involved he was with Phillip Rivers. 17 targets going to the running backs. The next closest team was the 49ers with 12. So ultimately that, that narrative of Rivers peppering his backs was fully warranted. Yeah, it might have been partly schematic, but man, this guy loves to lean on his backs. So both those guys should be in your top 25. Taylor, now your top 10 with um with uh that my Marlon Mack now injured. Now another guy that's gonna leap into that top 10 that I'm admittedly was far too low upon. Whew, Josh Jacobs, the bell cow roll. Let's chat about this one, folks. Uh six targets. I mean 79% of snaps, 25 carries, as opposed to 13% of snaps and four carries, three targets for Devontae Booker. Who knows where Jalen Richard even was, 10% of snaps. Didn't exist. Goodness gracious, did he eat on all of that work. A three-touchdown day for Josh Jacobs, looking like the next elite bell cow here. 25 carries, three touchdowns, 93 yards, Four receptions, 46 yards. The more interesting and important development here is that receiving work. Those six targets cannot overstate how crucial they are. Now, I do want to see him do that in a negative game script, right? If they go down big early, are they still going to keep him in there? I think so. He looks great as a receiver. He always has been. Just a matter of getting that work. But, you know, Theo Riddick sneakily released before the season. Bowden traded. All those things that were working against Jacobs that had, you know, us and a lot of people a little lower on him as a three-down cow, those guys were removed. And now he just absolutely thrives. I do, again, want to see him do it when the team is down big against the you know, worst run defense of the entire NFL that the Panthers gave up the most points last year. It seems like there'll be a point factory again, but I think he definitely belonged with the Zeke's, the Kamara's, the Hilaire's, the Dalvin cooks, Josh Jacobs right up there, maybe even above the Derrick Henry's just because of the receiving upside. Let's see what Henry does tonight, right? With, with no Darrington Evans, is he going to get peppered in the game? We shall see, but Josh Jacobs has to be right up there easily top 10, but maybe even top five moving forward over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, maybe. It, it certainly could be debated. We had, remember, Hilaire at four overall. We love the guy, and I didn't see anything to like, dissuade me on any of that. No receiving work, gets stuffed at the goal line three times and still puts up 20 points. I mean, we saw his floor. So I'm still all about him, but Josh Jacobs right about there. Let's see him get it done with the team down early, but I'm still loving what I saw. Everybody, you have to. You have to love what you saw with Josh Jacobs. Moving forward with the risers, DeAndre Hopkins. Let's jump to the receivers real quick. Uh, and we'll keep sifting through those running backs because we do have some fallers, folks. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. But I like to do 10 up, 
10 down, and then hit those waiver wires, at least for week one. There won't be quite this much movement every single week. But Hopkins, man, I had him at number two at wide receiver early on in the year. And with some Michael Thomas news that we're going to cover in a little bit. Uh, sorry, folks, I forgot to show you my running back tiers here where I put Josh Jacobs. Uh, I, I escaped the big board there. Uh, so let me bring this back up here. Josh Jacobs landing right there, number seven overall. Oh, that's the overall big board. Uh, he's going to be right at six. I'm going to have him above Devontae Adams despite that monster game. But you can see here Josh Jacobs tier two uh, with those elite RB1s. Now, the only guy, in my opinion, that can be above DeAndre Hopkins is Devontae Adams. Look at those two, though, the, the ridiculous target hog performances uh, of the season. They started out early, 16 targets for Hopkins, 14 catches, 151, just barely misses a touchdown. Could have even had a more monster day, but how could you complain about that ridiculous output for this guy? A 40% target share from Kyler Murray. The next closest guy didn't even see more than five. Fitzgerald and Kirk both topping out at five, a 12% share there. Uh, you know, that, that's got to be huge. That absolutely sends DeAndre Hopkins right up into those top three. To me, number two, right behind only Devontae Adams, who had an even more ridiculous performance. We'll talk about it in one second. I do think you have to downgrade Kirk. Now, I was already pretty low on him, as you can see. Wide receiver 48. I think I was about 11 lower than the ECR. I, I mean, Jerry, Judy, all these other guys, and we're going to bump Judy up. I'd rather have LaVisca Chenault right now than I would Christian Kirk. Um, so he gets a nice bump down there. Uh, we'll, we'll really resort those later. But big faller, in my opinion, at least about 10 spots. And he already was too high in most rankings, whereas Hopkins, that engineer. And it's just the fact that this passing game looked so good. Kyler Murray looked dynamite in year two. And this was against the 49ers. I mean, you got to imagine the wealth will be spread out a little more in future weeks. But man, Hopkins is the clear-cut target hog, and you got to feel great about owning him. And as we mentioned too, uh, the Devontae Adams show was crazy. The only other guy coming close to, to Hopkins, in fact, exceeding Hopkins, 17 targets for Devontae Adams. My good Lord, hauls in 14 of them for 156 and two touchdowns was your draft Kings winner of the week. You had to have him in your lineup if you wanted to place. Thankfully, I did. I had him everywhere. Now, a lot of this is Minnesota's just god-awful secondary. We saw him just you know destroy them routinely. We know, though, we already knew he was the alpha number one. We talked about how 200 targets was not out of the question, and I think that's even more so the case now um, with you know that rapport, Aaron Rodgers. And you got to love also the fact, and another big riser there, Aaron Rodgers' revenge tour. Look the fuck out is my narrative here. 32 completions on 44 passes, 364 yards, not one, not two, not three, four touchdowns. Oh my good Lord. I think I was wrong on this guy. I had him at about QB 16 coming into the year. Let's go to my QB rankings. And yes, there's going to be some weeks where Aaron Jones pounds in three and you only get about one touchdown from Aaron Rodgers, QB 17. That's just embarrassing below some of these names. Let's rectify this mistake, at least in your top 12. Uh, we're definitely going to have Breeze and Brady get bumped below him, those old men. I think right here about QB 10, Wentz with that awful protection, a humongous rise from Aaron Rodgers, eating the crow already. Again, he'll have some lower weeks, but year two in that LaFleur system, despite no weapons upgrades, just that FU mindset from Aaron Rodgers, 
uh, totally looked ready to just light the world on fire in fantasy and in real life. And I'm all for it for Devontae Adams. I don't know that you'll ever get consistent value out of Marquez Valdez Scantlin, who had another nice long touchdown, dropped another one too. Uh, I don't know that I'll trust any of the number two guys, despite how good Rodgers looked. I think Alan Lazard also sneaking in for an end zone, and, and you know him and Rodgers have that special rapport. I think he gets a little bit of a bump up. Those are the only two guys, though, Adams, of course, and then Al, Alan Lazard that I trust. But you have to feel good about owning Aaron Rodgers on his revenge tour, the FU tour. He's going to scorch earth this year. Another quarterback that's looking ready to scorch earth, and I think at this point belongs only below uh, Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, and I think you could even lump him into that tier. If we see one more week of it, let's keep those guys in their own tier, but right below them, Russell Wilson, good Lord, the guy cooked this weekend, and you have to feel pretty damn good about it. Why? Well, we get 31 of 35, uh, so nearly perfect, nearly flawless for 322 yards and four TDs. Yes, four TDs, but what was so great about it was the fact they kept hucking all game despite being up so significantly. Uh, you, you get Scott Barrett, a great tweet from him here. Adjusted game script, Seattle was the most pass-heavy team of week one. They passed on 65% of their plays uh, despite leading for 79% of the game and leading by two-plus scores for nearly 40% of their plays. That just has to have you thinking, maybe, just maybe, we have Pete Carroll realizing we got to let our best player cook because clearly it worked. He was the highest-scoring quarterback of Week 1, got some nice little scampers in there as well, the rushing upside. And whenever he's thrown it, more than 35, look at these stats on pace for 441 fantasy points, 27.5 per game. Last year, Lamar Jackson had 421. So that's 20 more fantasy points than the record setter of the position of all time if they just let him cook. Now let's see it continue. We know how stubbornly run-heavy they've been. The Patriots this week will be a great test, a great measuring stick, You know, a game that they're going to really want to slow down the opposition um, and slug it out. That's what the Patriots are going to try to do. Will they hit gasoline now, Russ, and just try to cook even further. We will find out on Sunday night football this week, but you have to be thoroughly encouraged by this great performance from Russell Wilson. Absolutely love what we saw there. Um, another riser too, in light of that, is the Falcons pass circus. They are going to be a bonanza all season. One, because the defense is horrible. They're not going to face Russell Wilson bombing them every single week, but they're also going to be bad against pretty much everybody. And that's just going to mean more fun for Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, and even Russell Gage getting in on that action for week one. Let's kind of go through some of these stats. First and foremost, Julio leading the way with 12 targets, but tied also with Calvin Ridley, both hauling nine balls. Jones getting 150 for a scoreless. That's just his routine. He has the most, I think it's by five now, 23 games, I think. Uh, 28 actually of games with over 150 yards and no TDs. He leads the NFL history with that under Johnson, the next closest five below him. Uh, the guy catching all the touchdowns, Calvin Ridley, two scores on 130 yards. So just below uh, Julio Jones there. And Matt Ryan, obviously reaping the benefits of these guys, just ripping yardage after yardage, 450 yards on 54, a whopping 54 attempts. That is incredible. Year two of the dirt cutter system. Really, 
really year four because they were reunited after you know Matt Ryan succeeded hugely with him the first two years. And now he's back, year two, more comfort level, more development from Calvin Ridley. You got to feel great about all of those developments. But also, Russell Gage, you know, available in 98% of leagues right now, uh, he sees another 12 targets. So 12 targets for all the top guys. You're not going to see this every single week, but the volume is going to mostly be there in such a pass-happy attack. Gage also goes for over 100 yards, 114, and he's widely out there. In these shootout scenarios, you'd think Hayden Hurst might be that number three weapon, but no, it was clearly Russell Gage. So you've got to prioritize him if you need uh, wide receiver waiver help. We'll see what happens in a less friendly matchup, but it's not like the Seahawks secondary is awful. They were pro football focuses, number five, entering the season. So again, lots of pass-happy scripts coming for these Falcons uh, without much of a run game pulse. Gurley looked uh, okay, but nothing special. You got to keep expecting these monster passing game outputs. Feel great about Calvin Ridley. Feel great about Matt Ryan. Let's give Matt Ryan a little bit of a bump up here. Certainly over Deshaun Watson. I think Watson can even go below Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he finished with 20 points, but that was some ugly, ugly 20 points. Uh, Matty Ryan, with just that volume coming this year, is going to be a beast. In terms of the receivers, let's see where we kind of drop Calvin Ridley. Uh, he kind of gets a nice bump up. I'd say uh, Cooper was a target hog too, but definitely above DJ Moore. Thielen's got to get a nice bump up. Galladay, you know, the injury right now lingering. You, you can't feel great about that. I think I'd rather have Calvin Ridley than even Allen Robinson, who saw a good amount of volume and Trubisky was encouraging. I think you got to bump down your know, Godwin. Evans, am I overreacting? Let me know. I see your questions coming in. I promise I'll get to them all as we go, but I just want to recap all these huge developments first. After the risers, I will definitely hit a few questions though. No doubt about it. Um, but yeah, huge passing game outputs for these guys. Um, we'll, we'll make sure to sift through that with a more finely tuned comb. Another quarterback riser. And it's not really shocking, but my good God, the rush attempts for Cam Newton, 15 carries, 15, a bell cow back almost for these guys. Two rushing scores, 75 yards on the ground. That's already 19 and a half points on just his rushing work. You know, solid day as a passer, 15 for 19, 155 yards. Didn't put up any touchdowns, but that rushing work is insane. And and just before the game, Jeff Howe tweeting out that they believed Cam Newton could still be the kind of rusher he was in 2017 when he ran it 139 times. Well, he's on pace for well over 200 carries right now. So that was clear. We saw the Patriots mold that offense to, you know, Jacoby Brissett when he took over over injuries. And they clearly went back to that kind of option style, you know, high school almost ground and bound attack. That just means great things for Cam's fantasy totals. We know he can do it as a passer, but he is going to get so much volume on the ground that you have to be thrilled if you own this guy in fantasy. I look at these quarterbacks, you know, Cam Newton. I'd have above Brady. I'd have above Sprees, probably above Stafford, even though he, you know, you don't want to fault somebody too hard for not having his guy. I'm very concerned about Breeze, though, um, what we saw there. I'd cut this tier of like, you know, potential elites. I think you got to keep Rodgers in there after this performance. Um, the Dak Prescott, I think I'd rather have Kyler Murray, that conservative Cowboys attack. Um, and, and Josh Allen really cooked, but that was against the Jets. So let's not overreact there. But, Cam Newton, you know, tapping on the door. 
of that elite tier of, of QB ones with huge upsides. If we see him get it done as a passer now too, to complement those huge rushing totals, you got to feel great. Another running back riser here. Raheem Mostert has a monster game as the early workhorse for Kyle Shanahan. And we already have seen beasts emerge under this zone blocking scheme. Well, he saw 60% of the snaps, nearly 60% of the opportunities, 20 of the team's running backs, 34, 15 carries and five targets. That's, you know, intriguing receiving game usage for sure. And he racks up nearly 70% of their yardage, 151 total yards of the 219 their running backs picked up. A TD included in there, a monster long bomb reception where they motioned him out, like clearly found a mismatch. He just outraced the entire defense, hit 22.73 miles per hour on a 76-yard TD catch. That was the fastest since 2016 with Tyreek Hill getting it. So this guy can clearly outrun the entire defense. You saw Shanahan scheming him the ball to get there. I loved everything I saw there with Mostert. Uh, McKinnon, you know, 30% of the snaps, sees five targets as well. I think a very intriguing waiver wire ad at only 11% owned. I've been raving about McKinnon all offseason. I think the bigger concern, Tevin Coleman, only 9% of the snaps, 17% of the opportunities with six, and 11% of the yards with 24. Hideous, you know, is how much of that was the air? We obviously saw those reports early on that the air quality, he might be rested, he might be a lower workload. So let's wait a week, see what happens, maybe, but I think he's just going to be burning a spot in your bench, especially the way Mostert was used this week and thrived and rose to the occasion, I, I don't trust Tevin Coleman at all. I'm going to stop updating the big board just because that you know we have so many notes to get through. I will be updating it as we go uh, after this broadcast, but I just want to keep things smooth and flowing. So let's just get through all the players, and then I'll update the big board and make sure that's published on rotostreetjournal.com uh, at, as of tonight, as I watch those Monday night games. Uh, but last couple risers here, and then I'll get to your questions. Got two more risers um, that I want to make sure to hit. One of them being Jamison Crowder with his typical week one volume target hog share. 13 targets, catches seven of them, outruns the defense on a 69-yard touchdown scamper, ultimately gets 115 and a TD. This is after a year where he saw like 18 targets in week one. It's just clear they have nobody else Darnold trusts. You know, as horrible as Adam Gase is as a play caller, he does typically pepper a single hog, and that was Jamison Crowder. You think about like him moving Demarius Thomas all over the place and getting him good yak opportunities. You saw that with Crowder. And this is a pretty good Buffalo defense that they did this to. So in lighter matchups, we could see Crowder. You know, he did this last year and then kind of became someone you couldn't depend upon. So I'm not sitting here saying Crowder's a must start every single week. But as a wide receiver three, that type of volume has to be paid attention to, uh, despite how bad you know, Darnold and, and, uh, Adam Gase are, and you know, is Darnold that bad? Maybe I, I don't believe in him. Everybody wants to give this guy a pass. I just haven't seen it, but how much of it is Gase? Probably a lot because fuckface Gase is just one of the worst coaches you could ever see. So ultimately like the performance from Crowder discouraged by the rest of the offense. Um, the last big stats I wanted to point out, you know, obviously Adam Thielen's huge day and you might see a lot of garbage time for that team, that Vikings team. And, and I tweeted out earlier that before the season started, Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, and negative game scripts, especially Adam Thielen, because that secondary is going to be awful. We saw that this weekend. Two touchdowns, monster game from Thielen as Kubiak's wide receiver one, but also Dallas Goddard. 
Is he a threat to Ertz's throne here? He saw certainly more targets, nine targets, 101 yards and a TD, that vertical threat. Uh, ultimately, you know, right in the, the same snap share, 85% for Ertz, 79% for Goddard. Uh, you saw you know, 61% of the dropbacks, 3.6 yards per route one as compared to 0.47 for Ertz, who also got a touchdown. But man, I think Ertz has to fall in your rankings, whereas Goddard has to rise as well. Now, I won't give Goddard the, the bump above Ertz. We've seen Ertz do it for too long to do that. But it's clear that Goddard is a mainstay in this lineup, despite the new wide receiver additions. Wentz still looks at his tight ends more than any other quarterback, more than anyone else in that offense. So Dallas Goddard's you know, lingering out there in 45% of leagues. I think you got to throw down a hefty bid or a hefty waiver claim if you're desperate at tight end to get this guy. Uh, my last big major riser of the week. Let's see what some of you guys got for me here. Uh, we got Geckel Brooks saying hello. Good to see you guys. I need Denver defense to get less than 1.4 points to win in one league. That's probably not a good shot. Never recommend Boston Scott ever again. Well, who did you bench him for? I mean, the guy was in line for workload, workhorse duties and got hurt. Like, what can we do? Naeem, give me Naeem's Hines and full PPR. We're going to definitely cover him a little bit later in the waiver wires. Already talked about people said JT couldn't catch. So true. How funny is that? as the guy dominated. Trust the process. JT, my RB3 behind Drake and Carson. That's what I'm saying. Everybody like tweeting at me, oh, your process stunk, but you ultimately got lucky. No, the process was land two workhorses. You get yourself patience with JT, and you just got lucky you didn't have to be patient because Mac already is out. That is the process, taking the elite runner behind elite line. And when he caught the ball, JT looked like he had a different gear than the rest of the field. So I am all about that. Uh, ultimately trust the, the process JT. Oh yeah. We already saw that one. You can't have him over Jacobs and no, I won't. As you guys saw, I, I, John hammer moved Jacobs up to running back six. I'm all about this guy. Uh, as, as you say here, Josh Jacobs should be top 10. Yep. Bumped him up to running back six. No doubt about it. He is one of the biggest risers of the week. Naeem Hines or Malcolm Brown from the waiver wire. Both are available. Uh, we will cover that soon, Robert. Don't you worry. Right, right after I wrote it. Yeah. Jacobs winning. Absolutely. Jacobs was that running back too. That is going to change leagues for you. Best pickup Hines, Robinson, Lazard, or Campbell PPR could use any of these. I would totally go after Hines um, with, with the target share coming for him already was super high with Mac in there. He was the one scoring the touchdown, seeing the targets. Uh, now with Mac removed, I think he, he plays an even bigger role. So Hines is the top one I'm going for. We got a question here, Joe Mixon. Let's get into followers because that is going to transition us well. So totally uh, on, on the list of followers. Let's get to those guys uh, and keep the questions coming. Waiver wire especially is where your action is going to come. Can I drop this player? Who should I prioritize? We will get to them after these 10 followers. We got to our 10 up. Now let's get to our 10 down. Uh, leading off here with Austin Eckler. What do you make of that disgusting usage in that 2020 debut? I mean, how disgusting was it? Let's let's dig in a little bit, right? He saw his highest target share. I mean, high, highest snap share, 69% of his career, 19 carries, also a career high, looks pretty solid on him, gets 84 yards, um, gets a target, three yards. That's the concern here. Rivers peppered the Colts relentlessly, 17 targets going to those running backs for the Colts, uh, and almost none coming from Tyrod Taylor over to these these uh, 
these Chargers running backs here for LA. And also Josh Kelly looking really strong. Sees, you know, 12 carries, so not too many below Eckler, who had, again, 19, gets 60 yards, looks pretty good on his, his carries, but more concerningly is the goal line guy. Just barely misses two touchdowns on the day, scores one of them, Josh Kelly, uh, becomes one of the most prioritized waiver wire ads below Hines, below Malcolm Brown, we're going to talk about shortly, uh, but still probably third on the list, in, in my opinion, will be behind Eckler, but has a clear cut, that, that kind of Melvin Gordon role was you know, uh, 1A or 1B rather to Austin Eckler's 1A. And after the game, Austin, Austin, um, I mean, Anthony Lynn says this new scheme, the increased quarterback pocket movement, it just limits checkdowns to running backs, including Eckler. He does say it's a priority to get Eckler touches moving forward, but still that does not feel great for him. Yeah. You like the snap share. Yeah. You like the career high 19 carries, but ultimately, if he's not getting those 8, 10 catch days that he racked up under Philly Rivers, that's a huge tick on his value. He's going to absolutely fall outside my top 15-ish running backs to more round three range. Like You might get more value out of Naeem Hines, dare I say, on this season if these things don't right themselves. Love the player. I do think it rebounds a little bit. Maybe tossing a buy low if his, his owner is panicking. But also don't you know sprint out to go acquire him either. I, I don't think this trend is going to continue. Moreover, a huge faller, even bigger faller, in my opinion, Mark Ingram, trapped in a three-headed monster, no goal line work. Get the fuck off my roster. I have no interest in you. Didn't want to really own him anyways. Uh, but it's pretty concerning the fact that one. Dobbins already outsnapped him. Dobbins sees 40%. Ingram sees 34%. And then Gus Edwards still involved, 26%. So yes, it's a three-headed nightmare. And then Dobbins gets the goal line work. Two touchdowns on 22 yards uh, on seven carries. You know, Ingram, yeah, I saw most carries of them, 10 of them. Only turns it into 29 yards. Doesn't see any receiving work. You know, yes, it's the most high-powered offense in the league. We saw them again looking damn unstoppable, Lamar Jackson. Uh, but... Lamar Jackson was the one getting the red zone work, throwing it into Andrews twice. I just want, though, why do you want Mark Ingram at this point? What can he do for your roster? Do you think he's just going to suddenly get all the goal line work after Dobbins did great with it this week? If anything, Dobbins is going to continue to be worked in more and more. If you can get any type of volume, you know, value for the doormat that it is going to be Mark Ingram this year, sell him as fast as you can. Cause I honestly think he's going to be on the cut list sooner rather than later. Dobbins is the guy there. Dobbins gets a nice bump up in the rankings, but Mark Ingram has to fall. Uh, not feeling great at all about his role. I mean, Gus Edwards sees almost as much work as him. That is just horrible. And in that same division, in that same game, even another running back follower, Nick Chubb. What is going on there? I love the zone blocking scheme and he looked decent with it, but he sees less carries, racks up less yards and obviously less targets than Kareem Hunt in the same game. That can't feel good if you own these guys. Yeah, Chubb saw the most snaps, 51%, but again, out-carried 13 to 10, sees one target to Hunt six. Hunt gets 73 yards to Chubb 60. Negative game script is going to really hurt Chubb. He's definitely game flow dependent, whereas Hunt was in on the first of the goal line looks, um, didn't pound it in, neither did Chubb, but Lots of concerning usage that these two guys should be ranked a lot closer. Remember last year in PPR, 
Hunt outscored Chubb in six of the eight final weeks. You, you know, Scott Barrett and guys coming in saying Chubb is by far the biggest round two bust on our podcast. I still love the guy as a talent. I, I believed he could lead the league in rushing within the scheme behind the improved line. But hell, if Baker Mayfield is as bad as he looked, and he looked awful. He looked worse than the shits that Odell Beckham has taken off his chest. Like, I, I want nothing to really do if this is going to be a committee backfield. Maybe by low on Chubb, I think he could rebound, but you have to be concerned. And you took this guy over like Josh Jacobs, ooh, that hurts. Took this guy, you know, over Aaron Jones, who looked pretty damn good, that hurts. Um, So definitely not feeling great about my Browns. Baker Mayfield, blue again, as did Odell Beckham. Let's see what they do against the Bengals this week. Obviously, uh, you know, a you know easy easy matchup compared to the Ravens. Let's not you know completely overreact week one, but I am not feeling good about this Browns offense by any means. I think even more concerning right now, the first wide receiver taken in nearly every fantasy draft, Mike Thomas. One, what was up with that offense? Like, let's just talk about the offense before the injury here. Five targets, catches three of them for 17 yards. What? He didn't see less than seven targets in a single game last year was the definition of a target magnet. And ultimately he does nothing, does absolutely nothing. Um, And more so because Drew Brees wouldn't throw it downfield at all. What did Brees average like four yards per fucking attempt? It was ridiculously conservative of an attack. And then you stir in a high ankle sprain on top of all this. He's likely to be questionable, but might try to stick it out. He believes it's something he can play through. I don't want that. Sit, get yourself healthy. Um, but even if so, is he returning to just a, a pop gun, low, you know, high percentage, low upside passing game? If that's the case, that is going to be horrible for this guy's value because he didn't see the volume. He certainly didn't play in an offense that's pushing it down the field. I don't want to overreact to one week. But when you saw guys like, you know, Hopkins and Adams just going completely berserk and you stir in an injury that could limit him for the next you know, half of the season, potentially high ankle sprains are no joke. We saw it kill people's value all last year. If Thomas was your first round pick, you didn't listen to us because we wanted you to go bell cow, but you cannot feel good. He's going to be a major faller. Um, and if anybody still is like thinking they're savvy and buy low on him, Try to sell him to whoever thinks they're savvy and can buy low on him because you're not buying low at all. Another wide receiver who's going to be falling in these rankings is DJ Moore in this spread the wealth Joe Brady attack. Shout out to Roto Bomb Pete Davidson came on our pod and said, everyone's so high on DJ Moore. This offense is going to spread the wealth under Joe Brady with all these weapons they have. You're never going to know who sees the most targets every week. Now, Moore saw the most targets, nine compared to eight for Anderson, eight for Curtis Samuel. So they're all neck and neck. And one guy costs you a third round pick. The others, you could get in rounds 13 and 14. And, you know, Robbie Anderson outforming him with, yeah, a 75-yard bomb uh, where he made a sick double move and, and roasted that guy. But ultimately, I don't think this is going to be an anomaly and Moore's just suddenly going to emerge like a 15-target guy. I love the volume overall for Teddy Bridgewater. But this is why I said you don't have to stack this guy week one because it could go to anybody. 54 yards, that's uninspiring to say the least. Yes, a yak type of system is is certainly the best for a playmaker like DJ Moore, but this is not what you wanted to see. Uh, He drops a few, draws a 15-yard penalty. Just uh, this this much of a spread attack. McCaffrey only seen four 
targets is also a little concerning too. But what if that gets bumped up? Probably at the expense of more. I think more has to fall and fall decently hard in rankings after this week. Um, another guy that has to fall too, Carson Wentz and the Eagles passing game tanks because of that awful line. Now, how bad do we panic? How bad do we overreact? I posted on Twitter my you know cut list. I didn't put the Eagles on it. A lot of people commented in, do you cut Wentz? Do you cut Reger? Do you cut DJX? Not yet. I think one, Washington has a much better front seven than anybody was giving them credit for. So those eight sacks, you know, part of that's the talent of the Washington line. But, but part of that is the horrendousness of the Eagles offensive line right now. And I, if, until Lane, Lane Johnson's back, I don't know how improved that's going to get. So hopefully, he, you know, he's questionable to play this week. You got to hope he's back because that will make a humongous difference. The best right tackle in the game, but losing Andre Dillard, losing Brooks before the season started, you know, how big of an impact is that going to have on the offense? Well, clearly it was huge. I, I like Peterson as a coach. I think he'll, you know, react to this well and and put in more short screens and and get Rager going in the short game. Same with Deshaun Jackson. So I'm not cutting those two guys. I still think there's plenty of spice to both of them, um, but I, I definitely have them on notice moving forward the rest of the season. Don't panic yet. Don't cut your Deshaun Jackson, Rager shares. Carson Wentz still has you know top 12 QB upside with these weapons, um, but we need that line to get better. We need it to get better in an absolute hurry. Um, Antonio Gibson. I'm not going to eat crow yet and say, you know, I was way too high on this guy, but what the fuck with Peyton Barber? Are we kidding me? 17 carries for 29 yards, a robust 1.7 yards per clip. And you keep going back to the guy doing literally nothing. Let's hope that they wake up and say, okay, we've had enough of this piece of shit. But the bigger issue is, Barber's getting the carries at the goal line. Two touchdowns, plunges him in, uh, whereas we saw Gibson get stuffed. McKissick plays the most snaps at 46%. Barber at 34%, definitely the most work at 17. Gibson, the lowest of the the bunch with 33%, only nine carries, two targets. So he he gets more opportunities than McKissick, but he sees more targets and does more damage with them. Only 44 total yards for Gibson. It was not what you wanted to see at all. Uh, it's definitely concerning. You got to get him on the bench, but you got to hold too. I saw people like, oh, do I cut Gibson? No, 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 no. This guy's still 220 with a 439.40. Had a couple little juicy looking plays. It's only a matter of time, right? Before the, the Redskins wake up and realize what they got and, and what they don't have in Peyton Barber. I think this script will flip. I think it will flip within the next three, four weeks. It'll take only a couple big plays, but right now a three-headed gross committee it's got to make you puke and it's got to keep Barber pretty firmly planted to your bench. We saw an earlier question here on Joe Mixon. You know, how far does he fall? I mean, you can't feel good. Awful, empty yardage. 19 carries. I, I like that, you know, probably towards the league top in terms of sheer carries, but 69 scoreless yards. And more concerningly, the complete lack of receiving usage. One catch on only two targets. It was gross. The line looked awful. Joe Burrow was pretty underwhelming except for that last drive. Uh, but Gio Bernard seeing far more receiving work than mixing on, on, in on nearly all of those um, third down looks. So ultimately, Mixon seeing only 5.5% target share. 
that is bad. He's going to need to be touchdown dependent. And who knows how many touchdowns are going to be up for grabs if Burrow does not take a significant step forward. I think Mixon presents a pretty good buy low. All that being said, because I do think Burrow on that last drive showed the, the confidence, showed the ability to turn this offense around. And I think he will. The line concerns are very real. I don't think that's going to change. I think Gio Bernard involved as much as he was, extremely annoying. But I think the touchdowns are going to come in easier matchups. That's a tough front seven with the Chargers there. I think when we get easier cakewalk matchups like the Browns on Thursday night football, that'll be a better measuring stick. So I'm not overreacting. I would toss out some feelers, especially if somebody owned Mixon in back-to-back years. Uh, Then you're feeling like, oh shit, this guy's off to another horrible start. But don't forget, after the bye week, Mixon was the RB4 in fantasy, became a true bell cow. I think that all that upside still totally exists. Now, Tyler Boyd, what do we make of this? Four reception, 33 yards on only five targets. What happened to that alpha that we were reading about in the athletic that was the clear-cut number one guy. A.J. Green sees nine of the targets. That's definitely a concern uh, leading it off. And A.J. Green looked pretty good. Showed a nice rapport with him. I think Boyd has to take a decent hit. Um, I'd like to see again what he does now against Cleveland, but I was surprised at how good A.J. Green looked and how immediately Joe Burrow was looking to these guys before not uh, without that ability to form a rapport in training camp. So both of those guys, you know, concerning usage, especially in the receiving game for Mixon, both take a, a bit of a fall with Burrow being a little underwhelming with that line remaining so shitty. And last but not least in my fallers, then back to questions. And then most importantly, your waiver wires, the most actionable part of this podcast, Cam Akers. Oh God, how devastating is this performance? Outsnapped. for Malcolm Brown to 34% Cam Akers. More importantly, Malcolm Brown sees 21 touches, including all the receiving work. Three catches, 31 yards, looked real good doing it. And all the goal line touches, two touchdowns there for Malcolm Brown. 79 yards, it just looked better than Akers. The line wasn't great, but... Malcolm Brown was making a whole lot more out of the bad situation than Cam Akers was. He's 13 carries, starts the game. Okay, yeah, maybe we find a little straw to cling to, straw to grasp at. 49 yards uh, rushing, four yards receiving. Oh, God. That was as bad of a performance as you could expect. Now, I guess, if, again, the positives, he started, he saw 50, you know, three total yards and, and 14 touches. Okay. But Brown getting all that money work, uh, I guess Henderson only being involved in 6% uh, and getting only six total yards is also a nice positive. It's two-headed committee, not three-headed. That's nice. So I do think Akers, the better days are going to come. But Malcolm Brown did look very legit uh, and seems to be the back to own here. I'd probably rather have Akers long-term, but they're going to be neck and neck when I release this updated rest of season big board. Um, and Brown makes a nice transition for our waiver wire. But let's get back to a couple of your questions here. Uh, thank God for Josh Jacobs making my day pleasant. The wolf knows his sheet. Oh, yeah, of course I do. Malcolm Brown going to be the real thing this year. Let's talk about the waiver wire here because uh, we're going to get a lot of questions on Malcolm Brown and all that uh, good stuff. So my first guy I would pick up is Naeem Hines. You know the Mac injury at this point, and Hines was already eating before that happened. Uh, again, ultimately finished with two touchdowns, hauled in um, eight target, eight of his targets, 45 yards, another touchdown in the receiving game. 
And they're saying already he's going to be heavily involved, even though Taylor will be the starter moving forward. And of course he is. He was the most involved guy before Matt got hurt. He was in before Jonathan Taylor quite often. So Naeem Hines, definitely a priority. He'd be the number one waiver I had out there in 80% of leagues right now. So if you have that number one waiver pick, that's where I'm going, Naeem Hines. That role is going to stay heavily involved. Remember our, our report that we had, you know, our great guy Dane writing about how nobody was seeing more targets in training camp. We saw that happen with Rivers. We've seen Rivers make Danny Woodhead an animal. Uh, Austin Eckler last year. This is not a anomaly. This is an absolute trend. Um, Rivers passing, uh, pass catching backs, just absolutely eating. And that's going to be Hines the rest of the season. I think, you know, whereas he would have been game flow dependent, it had been a three-headed nightmare. He's now going to have every single week. He'll be in there on every third down um, and, and alternate drives with just uh, Jonathan Taylor behind that line. Again, huge value for Naeem Hines. Now Malcolm Brown is the, the very close second here. He would be the next man up in my waiver rankings, um, racking up two scores, 31 yards, receiving 78 rushing. So over a hundred total on the night and looking very good doing it. Um, all those money touches. We saw it last year, him steal those goal line touches early and then he kind of fizzled. So I'm not looking to blow my entire waiver budget on him. But I would throw down, you know, 25 bucks on a, a $200 budget. Um, you know, maybe let's say if Heinz is like a 30 to $40 guy, uh, maybe even 50. Let's be real here. I mean, this guy is going to see serious work on that the, behind that line. I would say right around you know, 40 bucks for Heinz, 25 or so. Um, and, and again, I, I do want to caution from overreacting to week one. But in my history, everyone says don't overreact. And everybody ends up underreacting. All the big pickups, you know, I'd say over half your really valuable pickups last year, McLaurin, Chark, guys like that end up coming from week one. Uh, it's very rare to have too many other ones break out uh, after we see these lessons and, and don't react to them. So you got to make sure, you know, yes, you don't want to overreact, but you also don't want to underreact. So at the top is, is Hines and Malcolm Brown for me for waiver wires. Right after them, I loved what I saw from McKinnon and Kelly. Again, the touchdowns, the goal line usage for Kelly, uh, 12 carries, very close to Eckler, the clear 1B there, especially with Justin Jackson going out with a quad injury. Not that he needed that, Josh, Josh, Kelly, um, Josh Kelly to thrive, but it doesn't hurt that he's going to be the clear-cut guy and continue to separate from the pack. But McKinnon also, that receiving work, five targets, hauls in a receiving score, sees you know just as many, if not more, carries than Tevin Coleman. So – if he's the number two man up in the rushing workload and the number one guy as a receiving back at only 11% owned, you got to love that Kelly coming at 13% owned. And then the last running back, you know, I hate it, but Peyton Barber, two touchdowns, 17 carries. You don't want to do it, but you might have to disgusting, sickening workload. Um, I think that will, out of all these guys, again, Hines, then Brown, McKinnon, Kelly, Barber's definitely my last, my my fifth of the running backs. But if all those other guys go and you need a guy, Barber saw volume and he saw goal line volume. That's important. At receiver, got to love what you saw from Paris Campbell, 22% owned. Uh, the guy led the team, or tied, I think, rather, um, T.Y. Hilton there with nine targets. He led the team in receiving yardage, Campbell did. Um, and what was more intriguing about that was this lined up in the slot a ton. We saw Keenan Allen obviously over 
with Philip Rivers do so much damage out of the slot, you know, quick hitters. That was what Paris Campbell's role was. And he did some good damage after the catch. This is a guy with four, three, one speed uh, that everybody loved a 94th percentile spark athlete um, that can get down field and crush it. But if he's going to be used after the catch like this, that's awesome for his value. This guy is a great penny stock. You see him getting the Vikings this week. Uh, we just saw Devonte Adams just completely pillage that team. Paris Campbell's obviously no Devonte Adams, but seeing number one, you know, right up there with T.Y. Hilton's usage, and again that middle of the field usage looked fully healthy after all those injuries he battled last year. I think you're looking at a very high quality wide receiver three um, at minimum. I think this could be the guy that ends up being that next McLaurin um, that that sees a ton of targets and a ton of value after the catch with Philly Rivers there. Um, other than that, some other big names at wide receiver to consider. I love LaVisca Chenault. 12% owned, catches a touchdown. On a day that Minshew only threw it 20 times, highly efficient, completes 19 of them, um, throws three touchdowns. There's going to be days where Minshew has to rope it a whole lot more. I think he had under 26 attempts only once last year. We're going to see that volume in the passing game increase significantly moving forward. Uh, and Chenault looked great after the catch. He only gets you know 37 yards, hauls in three of his four targets, um, but also gets some carries. That's the other thing with him. Very intriguing. Two carries, 10 yards um, in that upset win. He outperforms Chark, who gets 25 yards in a TD, out, and, and Cole gets the, the you know, TD in 47 yards, but that's Cole. He's not going to do shit. Um, so obviously the injury also to Westbrook didn't play inactive there. Opens up that path. I think Chenault did near, you know, more than enough to continue with that. Let me know if he's a guy you're targeting. Um, and again, who can I drop? I love the drop list. We'll, we'll go through my personal drop list in a second. Um, but I just want to, again, make sure I get through all these names. Also out there, though, Robbie Anderson, 31% of leagues, as we said earlier, only one target less than DJ Moore had led the team in receiving yardage. Again, 75 of it came on one play, but they still got him cooking in the middle of the field. You got it, the 31%. I'd go Campbell, then Anderson, uh, Russell Gage, who we mentioned, just to reiterate, nine catches on 12 targets on a team that's going to constantly be playing from behind uh, or in shootout games because that defense is awful. He was clearly the number three, not Hayden Hurst. And, and that's going to come with some serious volume. I mean, he played almost 100% of the snaps. Um, three receivers going over 100 yards isn't going to happen every single week. But he, he was clearly, clearly a trusted, viable target all day. Um, so I like Russell Gage as well at only 2% owned if you're wide receiver desperate. And then also, last but not least, Scotty Miller, 6% owned. Um, Would have, you know, if not for a dropped bomb, been by far the leading receiver there for the Bucks, if if Evans's hamstring, you know, only one catch, it was a touchdown. But if that thing lingers and they decide to rest this guy, Miller is a every week starter. If one of those two, Godwin or Evans, misses time, um, all those you know talk of the rapport between Brady and Miller being real, it really showed up. Uh, so ultimately, you know, number two target this week um, it, for the Bucks, number four target or so. On my wide receiver rankings, again, that goes Paris Campbell, number one, Robbie Anderson, two, Gage, three, I think Chenault maybe over Gage at three, uh, Gage, four, Scotty Miller, five. So we've given you five running backs, five wide receivers. 
Uh, the, you know, those will obviously be intermixed. If you, depending on your team need, you might want to go Campbell over McKinnon, right? But if you need a running back more, then you go McKinnon. But Hines and Brown, like the the elite waiver ads this week, and then it's what do you need more, right? These receivers versus these other running backs we listed, and then a quarterback Minshew. We talked about nineteen twenty. I mean, almost perfect on the day. Uh, and three touchdowns. We're going to see definite pass happier uh, days from him. His weapons look good. He looked just that moxie leading that upset. You get to root for Minshew too, just an added bonus. Like he at 26% owned. If you have quarterback troubles here, you're worried about Drew Brees, you're worried about Brady. I think you got to get Minshew on that bench as well as Philly Rivers, 363. I think third in the league in passing yardage on the day, maybe even second. Um, 27% owned, gets the Vikings this week that we just saw Rodgers torch beyond all belief. So you got to like him. And last but not least at tight end, Logan Thomas, 2% owned, catches a touchdown. We talked about this guy in the preseason quite a bit as the potential number two to Terry McLaurin over there was getting moved all over the formation in camp. We know Ron Marrero, you know, Greg Olson for so many years crushed it. And then Logan Thomas gets moved around. Dwayne Haskins finds him right in the red zone, uses that big 6'5 frame, 250, pretty athletic. You know, you never want to go all in on late breakups. The guy's 29, has done nothing in his career, but has he ever had that opportunity? Good athlete, big size, great red zone target, as we saw, and a team that's devoid of any targets. Looked like the number two to McLaurin here uh, this week. And that's about it in terms of waiver wire, uh, in terms of injuries. And then again, your questions the rest of the way. Uh, so get them all in here. But Le'Veon Bell, uh, going to probably miss two weeks here with a hamstring injury. They said a couple of weeks at least. Who's the next man up and do you really care? Josh Adams got the goal line plunge in. Uh, I think Pirine got hurt. Gore, kind of concerning usage with, with uh, Bell out to not become a workhorse. So I, I'm not sprinting after Gore. I don't, it, I don't love Bell. So am I really going to want the third string guy behind him? No. So you just got to kind of wait it out. Hopefully you don't own Bell. Hopefully you followed our advice and just avoided that landmine. Uh, but Thomas, as we talked about, very concerning, that high ankle sprain and a very, very conservative-looking Saints attack uh, against a Bucks D that's just not that good. Imagine paying 9000 for Michael Thomas on DraftKings this week. Oh, God, that's brutal. Um, so that that's a concern, especially because he's going to try to gut it out. Like I'd rather him just sit, get yourself healthy and back to going. But if he's going to gut it out, it's going to be something that could hamper him all year. Kittle also a knee sprain. They said on Wednesday, they'll know a little bit more with the MRI. He played through it. Uh, 44 yards though. Didn't look fully back to himself after hurting it. Doesn't feel good. Uh, you got something to definitely monitor. If he misses time, uh, Jordan Reed, you know, could he step up and be a viable streamer? Maybe. And then as we also talked about Marlon Mack done for the year, um, obviously sending Jonathan Taylor to the absolute moon in my top 10 running backs, Naeem Hines in my top 25. Let's get back to your questions, folks. Um, so we talked about this one, Hines, Robinson, Lazard, or Campbell. I, I go Hines. I didn't even think about Lazard as a waiver option. I didn't think he'd be out there. Um, I, I like him a lot, but Hines is far and away uh, my number one, and Brown would be my clear number two. Timmy Gray, my team laid an egg, so I get first waiver this week. I already have Jonathan Taylor, but would you grab Hines over Brown? That gets a little trickier because are you really going to use two Colts guys in your lineup, Tim? It, it becomes, you know, Brown might be the more usable guy for you, but I still think Hines, you know, Brown we've seen flash 
and then kind of disappear. I do think Akers could end up taking that role over. Uh, Hines is just so much more secure. Like, you know, he's going to be locked into third down work and alternate every couple of series with Jay Taylor. I think I lean uh, Hines there. I hope Newton's body can hold up running this much. They were saying he was taking too many shots a couple of years ago. Now he's going to get hit running that much more. The thing tunes is, you know, the, the one year prove it style deal for Newton. He's going to gut it out, you know, in years past where he might've been a little hesitant to get out there injured. I think he's going to gut it out more this year. And he's going to be smarter too. Um, he knows not to take certain hits. We saw him get out of bounds at times yesterday. Uh, so I love it. Dobbin season says Mike Clay, two touchdowns. You know, I want to see more work till I feel great about him, but I love that he already has goal line work down. You can say goodbye to Ingram uh, into the casket. He goes. A lot of running from Cam, says Hamilton. You think the Pats will continue to run him that much, even with his past history of injury? I think so. I, I think they're going to run him into the ground. This is the, you saw McDaniels do it with Tebow, and they made the playoffs with that style offense, and obviously Newton's thousand times better than Tebow. I don't know if we'll see 15 carries. I mean, that was fucking absurd to see 15. That's a, a bell cow back type of workload. But I do think eight to 10 every week should be the expectation. And for fantasy, that's going to be a huge floor. It obviously does, as, as Toons and Hamilton are pointing out here, up his injury risk quite a bit. Uh, but still, I, I think ultimately, until he goes down, until those wheels fall off, he's a guy that you have to ride as a top 10 quarterback moving forward. Um, oh, did I say Redskins by fault? I had a Washington football team. I got to keep getting used to that. Uh, my bad on that one. Drop Kirk for Campbell or Russell Gage PPR. Mm, good question, Giuseppe. That's going to be like a good measuring stick, right? Like how high up do we have Campbell and Gage? I think I'd rather have Campbell than him. Uh, so glad I went Teddy over Tyra, by the way. Thank you, Wolf. You always know the Wolf knows with those quarterback streamers, baby thoughts on MVS. I love the blow up from Rogers and I love the man's on a, a mission here, Giuseppe, but I not going all in to get to MBS. Uh, I think he'll never be um, reliable there. I have Kenny Galladay, Hopkins, M Brown and Ridley. Who should I trade? I need an RB two from Juan name. Um, I would, I mean, I, it, it depends on who you're getting, right? Cause Hopkins is clearly above all those guys. Ridley, a short step below, but not far. Um, so I, I like Hopkins at the top. So if you can get like a, a workhorse RB one for Hopkins, okay, do it. Ridley more so. Uh, you're you know lower end RB one. I wouldn't sell him. You know you're not selling high. He's going to be great this year. So I like Hopkins. Then I go Ridley. Uh, you're looking for like a lower end RB one. Hopkins, you need like a, a Josh Jacobs or something like that. Ridley, you might get you know Aaron Jones or so for that. Marquise Brown and Galladay, I value you pretty similarly. I love the big game from Marquise Brown. He looked great. Um, ultimately, I would probably trade Brown for like a high-end RB2. Um, I can pull up the big board. Um, I would say Marquise Brown, I would probably compare uh, to like, uh, we got to bump down Gibson. So, you know, this is going to get shaken out here. But like maybe you could get Miles Sanders and sneak him out low. Um the drop-off at running back is going to be pretty steep. I think Mostert needs a big bump up. So like Brown and Mostert, I would consider pretty comparable. David Johnson's getting a bump up. Um, Carson, you know, good receiving involvement, but only eight carries. I think that's got to be a little, little bit concerning for you. I would say, you know, you're looking at this range for Marquise Brown. You got to obviously 
drop Cam Akers here. Um, I'm trying to think of any other huge, obvious risers. You know, Moss was an encouraging usage day. Um, Breed is on the cut list. So let's, let me quickly review my, my cut list here for you guys. Um, I, I tweeted out earlier, but I think you can cut carry on Johnson. No problem. Yeah. Tevin Coleman, you, you might want to wait a week to see how much of that was the air quality. Uh, but I think you can cut him. Michael Pittman, Justin Jefferson, no real interest in owning, you know, two upside rookies for dynasty, but you can totally cut him here. Uh, I also think Tyra Taylor obviously has no interest in being on a lineup. Brashad Perriman, don't need to wait that one out. Justin Jackson, clearly behind Josh Kelly at this point. No need to see him. A couple guys I wouldn't drop quite yet unless you got some great options out there. Um, and I'd rather have, you know, Campbell, some of these names, but like Brian Edwards, I'd wait for. You know, the team leader in snaps, rugs a little banged up. I'd hold on to Edwards probably. Um, McCole Hardman, I think I'm going to hold on to, right? Uh you know, Demarcus Robinson saw all the snaps, but he also sucked. So I, I think I, I hold on to McCole Hardman. You are only owning him to be a handcuff, right, to those big guys anyways. Uh, so ultimately, I hold on to that. Would you drop Brandon Cooks for Preston Williams PPR? Uh, I kind of want to give – I wouldn't put Cooks on my cut list yet. Uh, Breida on my cut list, though, definitely. The third running back behind like a creature named Gaskins. What the fuck's that shit? Uh, so those would be my, my cut lists here. Um, Ultimately, let me know if there's anybody else not dropping the Eagles, not dropping Antonio Gibson yet. Um, I made a big splash. Give me your thoughts. I sent CMC, Ertz, Lazard. Well, you already sent CMC. I already hate it. Andrews and Bridgewater. I was weak at tight end. You sent, oh, for Cook too. Okay. I thought you were about to say you sent McCaffrey for a fucking tight end. I was going to flip out on you, Steve. Um, You know, I, I don't hate it. I think Andrews is a huge upgrade to Ertz. I mean, this guy... I talk about big risers. Like he's right up there. Probably I might, I might even have him above Kittle now with this injury, just a huge playmaker in the red zone. You know, we talked about how big of an impact it could be to get Hurst out of there. The every snap, you know, every route being all to Andrews clearly was huge. So I will think you get a big upgrade there. Um, Bridgewater, if you needed a quarterback, I liked, you know, how high I am on him. Um, but McCaffrey to cook is as good as cook is Yeah, two touchdown day. McCaffrey is just that monster. So ultimately I, I have a hard time getting behind this one as much as I like Ertz. I mean, uh, Andrew's over Ertz. Anytime you give up McCaffrey is almost always a loss for me. I don't think it's a big loss. Um, and, and if Andrews is that much better than Ertz this year, especially with Goddard looking as good as he did, then I don't hate it, but uh, I can never get behind trading Christian McCaffrey. I apologize. Logan Thomas or Jack Doyle. Uh, the last question we got here, and then it's time for some Monday Night Football and recapping action over here. Um, I I like Doyle still, uh, but it wasn't great usage, but I, I like Doyle there still. Um, but it's close. It is close. Drop Chris Thompson from McKinnon? Yes, I, I absolutely will. M- Thompson on the drop list, right? Two catches. That's it. Um, McKinnon definitely has more value. Thoughts on Hayden Hurst? He let me down. Yeah, it was definitely a disappointment, especially with Gage performing as highly as he did. Um, I think you hang on to him. You see what he does because that role has been so valuable. But if we get another week where Gage sees 10 targets and Hurst sees like four, then he's, he's going to be waiver wire fodder. But give it a week. Give it a week with Hurst because Cutter has loved his tight ends before. And, and Adams played pretty good coverage that game. So I, I'm going to wait and see. 
on Hayden Hurst. Alrighty, folks. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. If you want more news, if you want more insight on these guys we broke down, visit rotostreetjournal.com slash stockwatch. Greatly appreciate any sites on the uh, hits to the site with all this news. Also have the Roto Street Journal app where you can consume that volume, you know, that um, in its cleanest format, all that stock watch news. You can, if you're listening to the podcast, Fantasy Fullback Dive, we paved your path to 2020 titles, reviews, mean the world to us if you can help us out there and we're also trying to make a huge push to hit 1k subscribers on youtube it opens up some monetizing doors for us so if you're looking to support the show you're looking to support the podcast even if you don't watch anything on youtube just subscribe to us it would mean the world Uh, that's our next big push you're looking for a way to support us Uh, but thanks so much for tuning in guys you're the best always an awesome time so enjoy your monday night football games i hope if you need anything tonight to get you the win you get it Uh, And if you watch the replay, tune in in live, 7 p.m. Eastern time. We have live shows running every day except Fridays and then your Sunday tailgate. Uh, So thanks so much again, guys. Best of luck if you need it tonight. And let's get this bread in week two. See you later. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd. Take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.